This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. Grain markets were mixed this week with corn and wheat. Higher soybeans ended the week lower for the week. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose thinks much of the action in the grain market it was positioning and squaring ahead of next week's supply-demand report. The question mark really is uh, the market's kind of jockeying around, waiting for that uh, August crop report, which is going to be out uh, next Thursday. And uh, does what direction does the government give us from a demand standpoint? Because it feels like the world supplies continue to contract, uh, not only here in the U.S., but in various areas around the world. So um, we'll see if we can get to a demand-led uh, market here soon. Uncertainty over the size of the eastern corn belt crop uh, being able to offset the drought damage in the west is causing a choppy market condition. Northern Crops Marketing and Investments President Brad Paulson is watching that debate closely. Uh, there's a lot of the trade that thinks the corn and beans are good enough in the eastern corn belt to make up for the stuff in the west. I don't agree with that thought because there's going to be some disasters here in north and south Dakota and northwest Minnesota and probably taking a top end off the yield in Iowa. So so there's uh, some big real estate there that doesn't have what you call a good crop. And Utterback Marketing President Bob Utterback will be watching that Pro Farmer Tour, which comes up later, and the August 12th crop report very closely. you got Titanic bulls and bears on both sides pulling. And I don't think I don't think it's as bad, I mean, as good as we everybody wants it to be, but not as bad. Because I'm, down, I'm in the good area. I think you guys are overplaying the bad. You guys in the bad area think we down in the good area think we're overestimating. I think the reality is someplace in between, but the corn yield will be down a little, but it won't be down fantastic. But the increased number of acres we planted suggests that carryover won't tighten that much. The canola market in Winnipeg's ICE futures saw a very volatile market this week. Uh, we had trade anywhere from 20 to $30 lower, and then by day's end saw double-digit gains on most days. Progressive ag marketing market analyst Brian Strauman thinks uh, production issues and weather drove that market. When you look at the, the production issues that we're going to have in North Dakota and, and uh, uh, Canada, uh, certainly uh, we've seen that market uh, trade with some pretty decent gains here over the past month, and, and it softened back up, and, and maybe that added some weakness to the soybeans, uh, you know, in the over the past week as well. But uh, that market, uh, again, I think just a shorter supply and uh, being supported as well. Martinson Agris Management President Randy Martinson said this livestock market continues to chop around. Looked like we were going to try to have a good week this week. We're going to finish off a little on the lower side. Cash traded decent, but I just think there's just too many concerns about the um, Delta variant and the possibility of uh, slowdown in demand. Of course, we've got supplies are tightening up, but if the demand slows down, that's going to uh, overshadow uh, any tight supply situation. Corn Belt Marketing Market Analyst Sam Hudson agreeing, saying these markets just continue to be choppy. Bouncing back and forth uh, from the feed cost standpoint, um, we've seen feeders, uh, cash feeders, uh, really pretty good demand at the sale barn. And I think we've got a little bit of a confliction when you, know, you look at some of these areas like the Northern Plains where guys are a little reluctant to replace. They're not really sure what they're going to do with inventories, uh, not really sure what feed costs are going to look like here for the next two, three, four, five, or even six months. For the week, Minneapolis wheat, 11 to 12 cents higher, 15 higher in Chicago, 32 higher in Kansas City. Corn gain 8 to 11 cents. Soybeans uh, traded 12 to 70 cents lower. Livestock markets mixed this week with uh, live cattle gaining 67 to 93 cents. Feeder cattle gaining $1.52 to $1.68. 
And the lean hog market, 42 cents lower to $2.55 higher. Let's look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. Cap off your summer with the Western Minnesota Steam Thrashers reunion Labor Day weekend in Rolog, Minnesota. This year, featuring Oliver and Hart Parr engines along with auto gas engines, you'll enjoy hundreds of exhibits and demonstrations, Threshman's homestyle meals, and more. You can ride the rails with the 353 locomotive. Something for everyone, September 3rd through the 6th, Labor Day weekend, the Western Minnesota Steam Threshers reunion. You'll find more details at Rolog.com. Keep up to date on this year's harvest here on the Red River Farm Network. Listen to Harvest Hotline Monday through Friday at 1237. Sponsored by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Beta Seed, and the North Dakota Mill. We'll talk with custom combiners, elevator managers, agronomists, and farmers about harvest progress, yields, and quality. Harvest Hotline, a daily feature on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business. With a look at this weekend news, I'm Kara Hart for the Red River Farm Network. The Senate Appropriations Committee approved the fiscal year 2022 Ag Appropriations Bill on Wednesday. The next step is for the bill to be considered by the full Senate. This bill includes $7 billion in disaster assistance for farmers and ranchers due to natural disasters. The bill also includes an extension of the WIP Plus program along with $750 million for livestock producers for losses in 2021, building on top of existing farm bill programs. The fact that we were able to provide some resources for them, I think also is very, very good. Senate Agriculture Committee Ranking Member John Bozeman tells the Red River Farm Network he's glad to see the bill move forward. Bozeman says there is a need to provide farmers disaster relief in the short term, but also to come up with a better longer term plan to deal with natural disasters. Work on the longer term plan will continue in the next few months. During a Farm Fest forum this week, ag leaders offered their perspective for the next farm bill for long-term House Agriculture Committee Chair Colin Peterson, the WIP Plus disaster program needs to be addressed. I'm afraid it's going to come back and haunt us because we're now going to be on the, they're going to extend it again. So we're going to have four years of disaster payments with no, not paid for and the farmers not actually contributing to. At some point that's going to be an issue. So the one thing I think that needs to be looked at is crop insurance in terms of improving it so that we cover more crops and we have it set up in a way that it works. With each farm bill, it becomes more difficult to pass. This is the first week farmers and ranchers in the Dakotas and Minnesota are eligible to hay and graze conservation reserve program acres, but provisions in place are making this more challenging for some. Minnesota Farm Service Agency Acting Administrator Michelle Page says if a county is eligible for the livestock forage program, the practices they can hay on CRP ground may be limited. At this time, there are 46 Minnesota counties eligible for the LFP. Once LFP triggers, emergency haying um, can only be done on certain CRP practices. CRP practices that that's limited to are CP1, CP2, CP4B, 4D, CP10, 18B, 18C. And for producers to get a better sense of that, it would be best, you know, if they contact our local office because they can get more details on that. But one thing um, I would like to point out is that although emergency provisions, they are limited to pra those practices. We also have non-emergency haying and grazing, which is available 
every year. There are a few limitations there, but most practices are eligible for non-emergency hanging grazing. Farmers should be contacting their local FSA office for more details. The limits of hanging and grazing CRP acres in Minnesota were discussed at FarmFest this week. Minnesota Representative Angie Craig says this may take time to address. You know, I, I think there's some some regulatory challenges we got uh, here in the in the near term and some financial challenges we know. Um, I'm focused on, uh, you know, D2 and D3 uh, drought recognition here this week and uh, just seeing what we can do to make sure that we've got, uh, you know, grazing and haying and uh, it's, it's, I think, long term, we're going to have to make sure that there's additional authority under the farm next farm bill. The Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer declined three points in July to a reading of 134, the lowest reading of a barometer since July 2020. Producer sentiment regarding the current and future conditions, along with lower principal crop prices, are likely the reason for the decline. Producers are cautiously optimistic about the financial conditions of their farm. The EPA is looking for feedback as they begin the process of redefining the waters of the U.S. rule. Public comments are encouraged, especially on how prairie potholes and other non-navigable waters should be treated. The virtual meetings are coming up later this month. Be sure to check out more details at the comment period at rrfn.com. That's a look at this weekend news. I'm Kara Hart for the Red River Farm Network. The North Dakota Mill has been producing northern-grown spring wheat and durum flour since 1922. The mill now adds value to more than 30 million bushels per year. North Dakota mill employees take pride in the highest quality spring wheat and durum wheat products for the baking and pasta industries. Look for Dakota-made flour in 5, 10, and 25-pound packages, as well as pancake and bread machine mixes. Spring wheat and durum flour, superior quality, is what separates the North Dakota mill from the competition. Tune in to the dry bean scene on the Red River Farm Network every Friday at 1235 on this radio station. Each week we'll get an update on the dry bean crop from agronomists, farmers, and processors in the region. That's the latest news in the industry coming right to your radio dial. These updates are made possible by Johnstown Bean Company, SRS Commodities, Sharpen Herbicide from BASF, and the North Harvest Bean Growers Association. This week in weather, I'm Kara Hart for the Red River Farm Network. Drought conditions continue to worsen in the northern plains. The latest U.S. drought monitor shows most of the Dakotas and Minnesota in severe to exceptional drought conditions. Minnesota hasn't been this dry in at least eight years. Since the U.S. drought monitor began in 2000, Minnesota Department of Natural Resources senior climatologist Kenny Blumenfeld says extreme drought conditions have only happened twice in Minnesota. The most recent one was associated with the drought conditions that emerged during 2012 and into parts of 2013. And, uh, and prior to that, it was a drought conditions from 2006 into 2007. So it's happened twice, and actually in both of those cases, uh, the, the, that level of drought was a little more widespread and lasted a bit longer than what we've seen so far here in, uh, in 2021. But I would caution also that this, is, this drought is still emerging. 
it's still developing. So we don't exactly know where it's going to take us. Blumenfeld says the NOAA forecasts are suggesting a greater chance of the dry conditions continuing into the fall, but fall can be a wild card. The crops and forage in south central Minnesota at Brownton have been holding on until now. Red River Farm Network's Megan Overby has more in this update. Just south of the Hutchinson, Minnesota area, Jeff Kosick has corn, navy beans, and light and dark red kidney beans in the ground this year. The crops have looked good up until this point. Kosick says this last month the rains have seemed to shut off. Well, it wasn't looking too bad until this last heat wave. Uh, we haven't seen any measurable rain now since July 7th or so. And with that 90 degree heat, we've uh, we've started to see it show up. On uh, The black beans are turning rather fast. They're forced to. Uh, we're finding empty pods. There's still some, we'll get a, a fair crop, but nothing like we could have had. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Megan Overby on the Red River Farm Network. Thanks, Megan. North of Bismarck, North Dakota, Clark Coleman is already cutting corn for silage. Coleman told Illinois Extension Farm broadcaster Todd Gleason the crop is really struggling with some of the corn only measuring one foot and a half tall. So Coleman got creative in harvesting silage corn. My roll crop header just won't, it won't push it in. you got to have corn pushing corn in order to get it into the chopper. And so this light fluffy stuff would get right in front of the, the feed rollers and it would just kind of burl and bubble up there and get caught in the fingers and stuff and it just wouldn't go through the chopper. I kind of felt that this was probably going to be the case when we started chopping. So we started looking around to uh, to change our, our chopper around and, and get a draper header. So we were able to find a draper header that would go on our chopper. It, it's, a, it's a draper head specifically built for choppers. You know, I don't think there's any, very many out there. I know there's a lot of guys calling right now trying to figure out how they can make a maybe a honeybee or a mcdon header or something go on these chops by no means is this header working great but it, it's working a heck of a lot better than than the uh, roll crop header crookston minnesota farmer kevin capistran finished small grain harvest monday as harvest began he had concerns about shriveled kernels and lower test weights but he was pleasantly surprised with the quality capistran says now there's uncertainty about what will be planted in 2022 just because of, of the need for it uh, not knowing what we're going to be planting next year the thoughts are maybe that wheat acres might be up just because you're a low water user and these soils are going to need to recover a little bit but that's that's a lot of the questions on our minds right now is was what can we do with these fields for next year we were likely to see high nitrates which are going to be a difficult environment for soybeans the moisture is not going to be there for them um, we aren't doing tillage like we normally would be doing right now just because you got such a small amount of fragile residue out there you can't destroy that and a herbicide is going to be on my mind too. If these these lead herbicides we sprayed aren't breaking down, can we get a stand of sugar beets in these fields next year? That's a look at this week in weather. I'm Kara Hart for the Red River Farm Network. Sarkoff's relief spot has been a challenge for sugar beet growers for years. I'm John Samdahl, sales manager with Beta Seed, and I know firsthand the impact Sarkoff has on our growers and their bottom line. That's why I'm excited about a new ally in the battle against Sarkoff. It's a new trait called CR Plus that balances disease tolerance with yields in a way no previous technology has. 60 years in the making, there's innovation bred into every seed. CR Plus is available pending approval in select beta seed varieties in our American Crystal Market for the 2022 growing season. Beta Seed, breeding confidence.
Tune in to the driving scene on the Red River Farm Network every Friday at 12:35 on this radio station. Each week, we'll get an update on the driving crop from agronomists, farmers, and processors in the region. That's the latest news in the industry coming right to your radio dial. These updates are made possible by Johnstown Bean Company, SRS Commodities. Sharpen herbicide from BASF and the North Harvest Bean Growers Association.